Johnny Cage, Kenobu, Kang, Raiden, Scorpion, Sonya Blade, Sub-Zero, Goro, Shang, Zora, Tabaraka, J-Jack, Kintaro, Kitana, Kung Lao, Merlini, Nanook, Sebat, Stout, Shao Kahn, Fung, Chameleon, Cyrax, Earth, Mechabo, Motaro, Nightwolf, Insector, Sheep, The Sindel, Striker, Fu, Jin, Quan, Shi, Shin, Oxo, Rina, Jerick, Kaimi, Reiko, Tanya, Tremor, Blizzgo, Raicho, Dramin, Fosu's now, Tan, Kenshi, Leap, Mave, Mavado, Mocap, Moloch, Natara, Ashra, Dairo, Darius, Havoc, Hotaru, Kira, Cobra, Onaga, Shijin, Kotegante, Vondavora, Cassie, Cage, Eren, Black, Ferrator, Jackie, Briggs, Kotokan, Kongjin, Takeda, Tri, Dwarf, Cetrion, Scarlet, Gareth, Collector, Chronica, Welcome to Mortal Podcast. I am your host, Ben Meckler, and this is the show where I walk my friends through the entirety of Mortal Kombat lore from the perspective of a single character. Today, I don't just have one of my friends. I have my best friend for, uh, I think, over half my life now, writer, producer, film blogger, film buff, and all-around wonderful man, Walter Holman. Hi. Hi, Walter. How are you? I'm, I'm doing very well. I'm very sweaty. I walked. Yeah, metro station, but otherwise... It's a long walk. I'm glad you're painting a vivid picture immediately for the people at home. 20 minutes. (laughs) It is. It's a mile. It's roughly a mile. I I used that time to catch up, so... Sure. You were listening to... Was it Grace Bellman's episode? I was. About Jade? I was. What did you think? I loved it. You can just shred her if you want. I didn't know that much about... What, Grace or Jade? Yeah, just be honest. Both. Oh, no. No, A Spellman? I know what they can do. I've seen Sabrina. (laughs) fair you enjoyed the episode yes i know you've been uh of course we're very close i know you've been listening to every episode yes i I appreciate it of course did i get that is it is it over half our lives now well let's see we've known each other since we were 15 oh we're jumping right into it quick uh this is the friendship segment oh okay go okay no no no. now you you no 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 i was just gonna do the math but yes 15 to 30 is half our lives that's half our lives yeah so walter how how did we become friends uh i think we also went over this in uh because we also just did a podcast yeah. together this week <laughs> we did <laughs> uh screen drafts yeah uh take a listen different audience different audience for now really so for these people for for anyone who's a mortal podcast listener who has not yet checked out the episode of screen drafts that we did together uh how do we become friends um we did a production of west side story uh, at a summer theater camp that I think it was your first summer at that camp? It was. It was my first summer. It was my second show. Yeah. I wanted to do the same camp I always went to, and then I'd br- broken my arm playing baseball, and... Uh, so butch. Yeah, very... I'm, I'm known as the butchest uh, baseball <laughs> player from Florida. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you and Moises Alou. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I... For whatever reason, it seemed like I just wasn't going to be able to go back to that camp or it wasn't going to be that fun. And my mom was looking for other camps and uh, told me I could go to that theater camp and they'd let me direct, which wound up not being true uh, at all. Although, did I, I, did I tell you, so that camp, <laughs> way back, it started at my elementary school back when I was in like kindergarten, first grade. Mm-hmm. My sister was like one of the first uh, camp members and it was uh, started by our music teacher and from the elementary school? From the elementary oh, school. Okay. 
And uh, so my sister was like one of his like star people. Like she did like did the mall performances as Annie to promote the camp and everything. Is this Becky? Yeah. Okay. Of course. Yeah. It's Becky. I figured. And uh, but so we, we all became kind of close. And so he actually started a playwriting program for me. I didn't find wow. out. Like I knew that they had one and I participated in it when I was in like second or third grade. And I didn't find out till high school. Um, but that was started specifically for me. That's wonderful. I know. Isn't that? Yes. So, so yeah, yeah, you'd been going to that camp pretty much your whole childhood. Uh, I, um, or some permutation 1998, of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it changed hands and it changed donors and it's changed, um, uh, it's always been at the city center. Actually, no, it actually this is of course the Coral well. Spring Center for the Performing Arts. Yes. <laughs> for, for you listeners at home. Next Stop Broadway is the new name. <laughs> yeah, Next Stop Broadway is the current and the longest running uh, name of the camp run by Cynthia O'Brien. So if you have a summer to spend in beautiful Broward County, Florida, and you are and 18 or younger, <laughs> who are into the theater, you got to um, send them their skills. Send them in. And we, we are still in touch with literally everybody we went to the camp with. It's true. Well, so. that was the thing was that I went, it was my first summer there. But I immediately made all of the best friends I'd have for pretty much like the rest of my uh, coming of age because it was the summer after freshman year of high school. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So yeah, I remember we didn't get along that much at first because well, we kind of like fulfilled the same role. role. Yeah, we were <laughs> like friend group. We were like the nerdy <laughs> cinephile, uh, like comic relief of the friend group. Yeah. And then, yeah, there was a party at our friend Shannon Pillow's house, and we uh, wound up on the curb talking about movies all night. Yes. And then we were best friends. I'm pretty sure the way that high school works is we were best friends starting the next day and forever. <laughs> I think the first time we said it, though, was before, right before we started Anything Goes. Yes, that's yeah. true. The next summer. The next no, summer? Two summers, summers later, later. Two summers later, we did like production of Anything Goes. Yeah, going into senior year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we were uh, we we t- we took it over, grabbed the spotlight, and became best buds. Hell yeah! And that's the story. So, that's how I remember it, anyway. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Like, did did Mortal Kombat come up much? Like, as we were growing <laughs> up together, I feel like it. We weren't big gamers, though, were we? No, I'm. Mean, well, I was, but it was always like I always played video games alone. Okay, and I played the Lego games with Caleb. Right, and then we'd get together and like uh, you know our friends would play Mario Kart or whatever, but mm-hmm. I'd just get bored really quick with the games that we played in mm-hmm. groups, like multiplayer. And if I ever played video games, I always just wanted to go home and play like story based stuff by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> uh, I just like, I liked that method of storytelling of like the kind of excitement and discovery mm-hmm. it, that, that sort of started to evolve more in video games, I think, specifically when we were in high school, when mm-hmm. it was on like the second generation of like 3D consoles. They just started coming out with things that had deeper story. I mean, that was when Mortal Kombat started to get like a deeper, more interesting like story that you could explore through like adventure modes, like story modes, that kind of thing. And then... I also, like, I think before we met when I was much younger, was playing a lot of adventure games like Monkey Island and Grim Fandango. I remember you talking about them a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I think we even might have played pieces of some together. Um, I think you showed me years. some, and yeah. I was more interested, because I was never really big into gaming, but right. I liked um, uh, Medieval is 
Mm-hmm. You know, famously the only, famously to me, the only game <laughs> I've actually completed. Famously to all, all Walter Holman heads know, <laughs> the only game he's ever beaten is Medieval. Oh, and Dante's Inferno. And I Dante's Inferno, that, which, yes. I didn't really finish it, like, but Medieval, I actually did this, like, all the secrets and everything, yeah. so. Dante's Inferno, I distinctly remember it was when we first moved to L.A. and first got the apartment that we were living in together. Mm-hmm. You were you just had like a stretch of time where you were just playing Dante's Inferno. There was not another thing you were doing in your life. You were just like always standing. Was I not working at the Arclight at that point? You were, but like as far as what I was experiencing directly, I would come home and you would be playing Dante's Inferno. Well, look, there's several layers to hell. There are. There are many. It's a long game. It truly is. And it's a good game. It's insane. I do love it so. I just love that they were like, what's good material for an unbelievably violent action game oh dante's inferno Inferno. of course the divine comedy (laughs) yeah there's literally no better yeah it's perfect um Um, yeah but to get into mortal Kombat, right (laughs) uh we we uh we had a sega genesis when i was a kid and did you play mortal Kombat two two okay yeah we played mortal Kombat two that's what i knew i knew my dad was undefeatable as Liu kang and one time i accidentally beat him as raiden wow so, so it was no problem at all for mesh. you to play Mortal Kombat as a kid. Like, there was no question of whether it was, like, appropriate. You just... No, my parents, you know, and you know them. Since, I do. You know, we've known each other half our lives. Um, they do have this thing, because uh, they're a little more conservative, where they're like, mm, I'm not so sure about certain material, unless they have already consumed and enjoyed it, in which case they're like, yeah, I want to share this with you. Let's watch Stripes. Let's play Mortal Kombat. You're what, eight? Let's do it. Yeah. I remember Die Hard being a perennial My favorite mom's favorite home. movie. Yeah. She says now it's Raiders of the Lost Ark, but we know the truth. Yeah, no, the truth is out there. <laughs> Sorry, Amanda, we already know. <laughs> um, um. <laughs> great. Well, uh, yeah, it's funny. I was thinking about it. I was like, well, it's great that I'm getting to have you on the show to talk about this, but I do think that, yeah, it was very separate, my, like, interest in Mortal Kombat. I just didn't have friends who cared that much. I feel like it came up more in college uh, as, like, a bit. Because yeah. in college, we had talked about trying to convince our, enti- <laughs> our entire film school class to... Uh, so, Walter and I went to different high schools, but we're friends at a community theater. We went to film school together and yes. lived together all through college at Florida State. And then moved to L.A. together. Um, but during college, yeah, we we tried to, along with, I think, Evan Houston, right? Aaron tried, Hall. And Aaron Hall, yeah. Tried to talk our entire class into making all of our thesis films. There are 30 people in our class, roughly. Tried to talk them into making all of the thesis films uh, interconnected origin stories for different Mortal Kombat characters. As a bit. Um, and I want to say, like, one or two people were like, I think that's a really interesting idea. <laughs> That's like I mean, that's you like give crazy. them a challenge. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we we dared film school students to do something that uh, you could make an argument at a party uh, was an artful choice. Well, because it puts you in a box, and you know, sure. a box is you know made to think outside of. So, <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, that old that old chestnut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, we failed. We did not make Mortal Kombat. Oh uh, no, that shorts. didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. And uh, and now here we are. And uh, I asked you which Mortal Kombat character you wanted to talk about. I I texted you actually. You did. I said, uh, late at night. It was a it was like a drunk text. I was like, has someone called Smoke yet? Yeah. 
And it was like out of nowhere. And I was like, it's all, it's all yours. (laughs) And I put a pin in it. Mm Mm-hmm. You did. You called dibs. And, uh, I was trying to decide where the best place to put smoke in the lineup was for this season because, um, the theme that I've been running with, as you know, for season two of mortal podcast is friendship. And, uh, smoke story is very much tied to sub zeros. In Sub-Zero, I had an episode in the first season about the first Sub-Zero, but Smoke is really more tied to the second Sub-Zero. So I was trying to decide, like, whose story, you know, is Smoke's story interesting enough on its own? Like, can it come first? And as I dug into it a little more, I mean, I knew the gist for Smoke, but he's not a major character in the Mortal Kombat storyline. Oh. After the reboot... Uh, they did try to like put him more front and center and then like totally backed off of it. Oh, no. So I was like, well, you know, I, I think I know all the ups and downs for Smoke. I think I remember everything that's happened with him and I, I am curious if it says on its own. Actually, as I went through, this might be like my favorite uh, journey that any of the characters go on because he... You have to say that. He has such an interesting backstory and like origin story and it is so different from the other characters in the franchise, but also, um, he just, he's just fascinating. So, uh, yeah, well, let's just dig in and, and you'll kind of see what I mean. Let's, cause I, I, cause you know, I always knew him as the cyborg. Yes. But most people do. Well, he was introduced. Right. Re- well, sort of. Yes and no. But, but my, one of my childhood friends had an action figure of him as in the ninja outfit. So that always like, oh, intrigued me. Right. Cause you were like, how did he go from one to the other? Mm-hmm. What came Which first? Came first? The, yes. ro- the cyborg or the ninja? Yeah. 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 Was it like Bicentennial Man or? <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can completely see how in that time and place that was your point of reference. Yes. You're like, is he a Bicentennial Man <laughs> or? Or is he like that Like a reverse guy? Bicentennial man. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Krang. Well, it Krang, or is he yeah, more yeah, of a Krang? Yeah. As in, was there a ninja inside of the cyborg? Is that what you mean? Well, like, or I guess as the... far as a brain being put into a body, like, was, right. did he start as a ninja and they put that brain into a cyborg body, Understood. or did he start as a cyborg and okay. Bicentennial man? Now, have you? I, I told you to not do any research. And you I didn't have do to. any research. Okay, so you still don't know the answer to that question. No, I really don't. So your whole life really if you want to be general about it has been leading up to finding out whether or not uh smoke started as a ninja or a cyborg it's kept me up some nights wow so one thing i'll say (laughs) one thing that i think is really interesting about smoke is that he's from a part of the world uh that none of the other characters are from oh so smoke's real name is uh tomas verbata he's from prague okay Not where I saw Would that Would you guess that he was a ninja <laughs> from Prague? I, I, I gotta say no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, he is a ninja from Prague. He has amnesia. He's got no memory of his past, um, but he has these smoke powers that make him different from other people. He can turn into a cloud of smoke. He can turn into vapor. Just limbs, his whole body. It's kind of like he clearly is something supernatural, but he does not know why or what. It's a mystery to him. And so... Eventually, you know, someone who can turn into smoke, disappear, reappear, who feels alienated from society, it becomes clear that he is a good assassin or at least good uh, fodder to become one. It's unclear how whether he went to the Lin Kuei first or they came to him, but he wound up falling in with the Lin Kuei, which is a very secretive and very feared uh, clan of assassins in China. Okay. And their whole MO 
is that they deal in such high level, uh, you know, assassinations, anything that you might need a ninja for, so like stealth missions, theft, um, things. General ninja business. General ninja stuff. Anything that someone is really good at killing and sneaking now, can did, do. Are they like high level, like political murders or like, what do they get into? Well, that's the thing. So we're in Mortal Kombat. So they're high level as in, whereas most people on earth think that there's just earth, the galaxy, the universe, and that's it. The Lin Kuei are some of the very few people on our, in our dimension that are aware that there are actually multiple dimensions. Uh, the Lin Kuei do assassinations that cross earth realm, which is our realm outworld dangerous realm. I, the idyllic realm of Videnia, the hellish realm of nether realm. They know that there are all these other dimensions and they even know that there's a mortal combat tournament that happens every few centuries. Mm -hmm. Uh, to decide whether or not these dimensions can conquer one another. So they really know about like the world behind the veil that most people are stuck behind. And that's kind of why Smoke is drawn to them and decides to join up with them and become an assassin. A, because he's like, I just don't fit in with the world and, and why not do something that I'm naturally good at? B, he's like, hey, maybe, since these people are so aware of this these secret worlds, these supernatural things. I mean, they take jobs from literal gods. <laughs> <laughs> um, like Raiden, who's like the god who protects Earthrealm. Like he hires fucking Lin Kuei ninjas for stuff. So I think Smoke very fairly... Here's a list was, of my references. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Here's some of the gods I've worked with. Um, but yeah, so he's like, I think the Lin Kuei might be able to help me figure out what my deal is, why I'm different from everyone else, what these Smoke powers are all about. So it's... So in the assassin... Uh, uh, world mm -hmm. it is known that the lin kuei deal in uh supernatural assassinations i think it's is like a, an assassin first you... and then finds a lin kuei or so that's like unclear because okay. when we actually meet smoke in the games he's already like a member of the lin kuei he's got his friends he's got his whole setup okay dope. um and all of this sort of backstory has come from like the like what if endings that you get for the character oh. once you take them through like an arcade ladder and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's all like deep background, but I, I think it's all very interesting and makes him really stand out from the other ninjas. It also makes his relationship with Sub-Zero a lot more interesting. So he joins the Lin Kuei and he's hoping they'll help him find out about his past and he's doing assassinations and he becomes really good friends with this guy, Kwai Lang. Kwai Lang is the guy that we all know as the like contemporary Sub-Zero. Since the second Mortal Kombat game, he's the guy who's been known as Sub-Zero. He also comes to know Kwai Lang's older brother, Bihan, who is the original Sub-Zero. Mm -hmm. So around the time that Smoke joins up, he becomes friends with Kwai Lang, and both of them are like, oh, Bihan, your older brother, he's really intense. He's not exactly <laughs> like a friend of ours. Uh, he's just like a cold-blooded killer, Bihan. So really, like, Tomas becomes friends with Kwai Lang, uh, who at the time is going by the codename of Tundra. And I think part of the reason that they become such good friends is that Kwai Lang and his older brother, Bihan, are also not like anyone else. They're cryomancers. They can control ice. Um, and so I think Smoke is like, oh my God, someone who's kind of like me and just accepts me for who I am and doesn't think that I'm like a freak. Um, and similar to uh, Smoke, Kwai Lang and Bihan don't know why they are cryomancers um it's a whole thing and it's very separate from what's going on in smoke but yeah. the truth is that they are the descendants of refugees from outworld who yeah, came yeah, to yeah, earth yeah, realm yeah. centuries ago yeah is um, that separate from smoke it doesn't have do anything to do with sure? smoke we do know for sure oh, okay there's nothing to do with smoke 
uh, we will get answers. Oh, can't wait. We will get answers to what Smoke's deal is. But yeah, so, so Tomas finds friends there, and he finds a purpose, um, and that is his lot in life for a while. And so Smoke and Kwai Lang uh, become buddies. They bid Bihan adieu as Bihan says, hey, I'm going to Shang Tsung's island. Uh, the Grand Master is sending me on a mission to go kill Shang Tsung. Uh, it seems like a pretty good place to find him. Uh, there's like a Mortal Kombat <laughs> tournament going on. I'm going to check that out. And Kwai Lang and Smoke are like, okay, man, have fun. Then they hear that Bihan died there, or at least disappeared, is presumed dead. And so Kwai Lang says to Smoke, um, they're doing like a rematch of the Mortal Kombat tournament in a realm called Outworld. I've never been to another realm. I know you have never been to another realm, but will you come with me? (laughs) Is it like a vacation? Kind of. They're like, we're going to another dimension, dude. We're going to like check out this fucking fighting tournament, man. Um, But Kwai Lang is like, I want to go and find out what happened to my brother, and I want to get revenge. And Smoke is like, well, obviously I have your back. We'll go together. And Kwai Lang goes, is it weird if I start calling myself Sub-Zero? And I'm sure Smoke was like, oh, <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> so we're not going to try the coffee places, are we? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just going to be, I mean, I just figure while we're there, or we're just going to do the Mortal Kombat <laughs> stuff. doing that? Because I feel like is it's it like a vengeance whole new... Is it vengeance or is it some photo? Dimension just feels like, <laughs> when are we going to be back? <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like we should soak in some of the culture. They might have a museum or something. Do you think they do? Like an art museum? Uh, no. I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess the question would be in fascist states, uh, <laughs> what happens to like culture? Oh, well, I mean what I mean depends on the fascist, doesn't it? Right. I don't think Shao Kahn, who is the emperor in Outworld, um, cares about like arts he's not a cultural revolution kind of guy he cares about like the mystic arts necromancy um <laughs> the arts i'm into pyromancy the uh hydromancy <laughs> yeah that stuff he's into that stuff so there might be like a museum of magic <laughs> <laughs> museum of sorcery um anyway so smoke accompanies kwai lang they go to outworld uh, they don't really find answers, but it is, I'm sure, like a crazy uh, adventure going there. They do wind up fighting in this tournament, meeting Earthrealm's defenders who are like, hey, you guys kind of have to pick a side. <laughs> um, and Sub-Zero and Smoke are like, oh, yeah. no, we don't. But, you know, they're kind of there neutrally. And then uh, they get back to Earthrealm and they return to the Lin Kuei Temple and the Grand Master uh, reveals to them that while they were gone in Outworld, he enacted something called the Cyber Initiative. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crazy. You guys are gone for this. He's Uh, like, oh no, it's so crazy that the two ninjas with the best moral center in this whole clan uh, left to another dimension for a minute and I initiated the Cyber Initiative. Okay, but going back, they both fight, but you don't get to play as... There's Mortal Kombat 2 that you're talking about. Yeah, so in Mortal Kombat 2, you don't get to play as Smoke, but you can play against him. He's a hidden character. What? Yeah, as a ninja, like with the smoke clouds floating around him, looking like a gray palette-swapped Sub-Zero. What? Yeah, you have to like do a specific code or win a specific battle or something, but you can fight Smoke in Mortal Kombat 2. You just can't play oh as him. God. Okay, so when you when you said that he'd be part of this season, because yeah. I thought I'd have to wait for Mortal Kombat 3, I thought he was one of those ninjas that like peeks behind the trees no. in that one level. You can like fight him. Oh my god. Yeah. I think Jade also, that was the case. And 
Was Reptile hidden in that? No. No, you Re- can reptile play as Reptile. The first one. Yeah. I had no idea. Wait, so who's the ninja peeking out behind the trees? Um, In Mortal Kombat 2? Yeah. Am um, I remembering it completely wrong? Is it Rain? I don't remember. Let me check. Now I'm curious. Ninja peeking behind tree. <laughs> Mortal Kombat 2. I mean, I guess it's possible that that's also smoke. That could be like hints that, ah, maybe yeah. it could be that guy. Um, I think it is smoke. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think um, you can battle him and he's also, yeah, hiding behind a tree. As like a hint in of the living like forest. something that you could yeah all right like a tease yeah that's something i always think about uh or always forget about and then when i remember i'm like oh that's really crazy that there's it's established in one of the levels of mortal Kombat that in outworld they have living trees the trees have faces and they're alive yeah like in uh, oz yeah but they don't have like a lot of say there's like a lot of political shit going down amongst the various groups of uh outworld and i feel like the the trees trees don't get to weigh in very often <laughs> Well, they can't go anywhere. What are they going to do? What I'm are they going to do about that? anything? True. But also, like, Outworld used to be lush and beautiful, and then Shao Kahn took over and, like, sapped it. He climate changed it and, like, sapped it of all of its uh, life and resources. Like, I so say saying the living forest should have more of an opinion on that or that it's an anomaly that it exists at all. They just must be pissed. Oh. Because they used to be, like, very beautiful. Now they're just, like, living in a drought. Do you think maybe it's like a kind of greenhouse type thing that Shao Kahn kind of just maintains just so he has some uh, kind of beauty? Or um, do you think that he does not think He probably doesn't that way? think or even care that they're there. Maybe Shang Tsung keeps them around just it is, so that when he visits, he has something nice. It is entirely possible. <laughs> Shang Tsung just likes to hang out. He's got an island. He loves trees. He does. As we know, when you think island, you think tree. I do. Yeah. At least one. They got to have at least like one big one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, Smoke and, and Sub-Zero, they returned from Outworld, from the Living Forest, where Smoke was hiding behind trees and going, what's happening over there? A fight? Okay. <laughs> Playing all coy. Uh, they get back to Earthrealm. They go to the temple. The Grandmaster says Cyber Initiative. They say the what The what initiative? The pardon? The Excuse me? And uh, as it turns out, the Grandmaster has started turning all of the ninja assassins in the clan into cyborgs who would lose their free will and thus be completely subservient to him and just be perfect tools. He could send them out on any mission. He wouldn't have to worry about their opinions or their sense of moral judgment. And he would know that they would all be perfect assassins. Yeah. Um, and I believe it's literally like taking their brain and spinal cord and putting it into a robot body and like chucking the body into the trash. But how do you take away someone's moral center if you keep their brain? Because they reprogram the brain. Oh. They continually say that the brains are, like, programmed. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. I'll go with that. It's pretty crazy. So, yes, a, a clan of ninja assassins say, actually, we're doing robots now. And they turn <laughs> all the ninjas into robots. And so Smoke and Sub-Zero are like, I denounced the Lin Kuei. We're leaving. And they make a break for it. They try to escape, but... Uh, all of the cyborgs gang up on them, and while Sub-Zero does manage to escape, S- Smoke does not. And he is forcibly, his brain is forcibly removed from his body oh, God. and put into a cyborg body, and he becomes uh, LK-72. Oh, God. Just another, just another cyborg ninja. Oh, no. Horrifying. And 
at God. different points in Mortal Kombat, they've given you a glimpse at like these characters' thought processes once they are able to like look at their cyborg body and be like, wait, what? And it's horrifying. Wait, they do? Yeah, there's a couple of moments for different characters where it happens. Um, I don't want to say whether or not Smoke gets to have one, but because uh, there are a lot of you know cyborg ninja characters in the Mortal Kombat. You don't want to say because that spoils something. It spoils or? something. Okay. Um, but it is like definitely a moment of like looking down and going, "Oh my god, I'm like this forever now. I'm stuck in a horrific robot body, <laughs> and there's like 70 robots that are identical to me." And he was forced. Yeah, he was forced. They at least gave him uh, the color he wanted, I guess. <laughs> Spray painted him gray. So, but does he and still purple? retain his smoke powers? Yes. Is that connected to the brain then? He did retain I his smoke powers, is. so it must be connected to the brain. But we'll dig into that a little more too. So Cyborg Smoke is sent on his first mission, uh, or LK, LK72, as his Grandmaster calls him, is sent on his first mission which, of course, is to hunt down and assassinate Sub-Zero. Awful. Oh, for not... For not complying. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. the one Kway ninja that has not, yeah, fallen in line. And so uh, Smoke is sent to kill Sub-Zero, and he catches up to him, and the two of them fight. And while Smoke is trying to straight-up murder Sub-Zero, uh, Sub is, like, holding back... And trying to convince Smoke that even though his body is gone and it's just his brain in there, there's still his soul. And his soul is still inside there. And his soul is still good. And um, the love that these guys have for each other uh, works. It, Smoke kind of comes to. His will is strong enough to break through his programming. And he yeah, he looks down at his cyborg body. He's like, Jesus Christ, no. And, and Sub-Zero is like, it's, it's okay, man. Like... At least we're together. Like I'll help you get through this, um, and that is Smoke now. He's he's back to his old self, but he is a cyborg. Uh, and just as he's ready to at least join his friend's side and find something worth fighting for, uh, Shao Kahn, the Emperor of Outworld, the realm that they'd been off gallivanting in, invades Earthrealm. So all of a sudden, these spires start rising through the streets, and centaurs start storming around and dragons are flying through the sky and Shao Kahn shows up and just starts sucking up souls. Hey, but and in a way is what they've been training for like their whole life. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're more equipped than most people yeah. are to deal with the situation. Now like. the fights come to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've all probably gone on jobs before that were like, Hey, I need you to go like slit the centaur's throat before a big centaur race. Um, <laughs> so what, you know, they, they were, they were ready. <laughs> <laughs> we're fully prepared. <laughs> the big centaur race? Yeah, the big centaur race. The the, the outworld open. <laughs> Is that why he needed cyborgs? To pay off the debts from yeah. the centaur race? <laughs> yeah, he spent too much money <laughs> betting on centaurs. I think Motaro's going to take this one. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um... But Sub-Zero and Smoke, who are now free from the Lin Kuei's control and from their uh, what, what the Lin Kuei wanted, said, hey, we can decide for ourselves how we want to handle this situation. Let's go find Earthrealm's defenders, the people that were in charge of taking care of Earthrealm the during the Mortal Kombat tournaments, yeah. the guys we met before, and let's join up and let's fight to save Earth. We are the two like good people that were in the Lin Kuei. Um, and so they decide to do that. They team up with heroes and they actually do something that makes them feel 
heroic. They they fight off uh, Outworld's forces. They're battling uh, monsters in the streets. But Shao Kahn, in his genius, uh, hired the Lin Kuei to be part of his... Because they're completely realm agnostic. They don't care. Right. They don't care if Earth falls. They're going to the highest bidder. Yeah. So he hired the Lin Kuei, and he uses the Cyber Ninjas uh, as part of his death squads. And, of course, they wind up getting sicked on Sub-Zero and Smoke. And so Sub-Zero and Smoke have to fight two old buddies of theirs, Sector and Cyrax. So they also like grew up alongside at the Lin Kuei uh, temple. And together, Smoke and Sub-Zero, they were always two of the best assassins in the clan. They managed to fight off Cyrax. They managed to fight off Sector. But there are so many forces crowding the streets and so many um, challenging, you know, there's, there's centaurs, there's dragon people. It's forces they don't usually have to deal with while they may have had some experiences. And Smoke is still getting used to his cyborg body. Mm-hmm. He's not exactly at 100%. And unfortunately, amidst the chaos and amidst all of the fighting, uh, Smoke gets captured by Shao Kahn's forces and dragged back to Outworld. He and Sub-Zero get separated. And Shao Kahn sees him and says, oh, have him decommissioned and locked away in my trophy room. He has a trophy room. He has a trophy room. Is it who else is in it? I think it's mostly like heads and and skulls and stuff. Um, And then maybe like a trophy from like the centaur race. But... Um, has to put outside at the gates come yeah. on he sees smoking he like doesn't even see like a person he's just like oh robot cool shut it down and put it in the trophy room oh. and they do and Is smoke that it? <laughs> smoke stays shut down in that trophy room for 10 years 10 years <laughs> and over that time a lot of things happen shao khan <laughs> is defeated by the earth realmers his palace uh where the trophy room is like basically crumbles and is left abandoned smoke's completely (laughs) forgotten about smoke's completely forgotten about everyone who knows him assumes he's dead it's like boxed away like the lost art yeah uh the only person who really even cares assumes he's dead sub-zero like he didn't really does not like any other friends they're just some people that he worked with (laughs) um and then one day he is finally rediscovered by someone sifting through the rubble and it's Sub-Zero, but not the one that he expected. Oh, wow. It's the original Sub-Zero. Oh. It's Bihan, his buddy's older brother. Turns out Bihan was killed, yes, during the first Mortal Kombat <laughs> tournament, oh. but uh, was resurrected as a new dark entity named Noob Saibot. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And he... He's resurrected in basically hell in the nether realm as an evil being, just being of literally pure evil. He serves nothing other than darkness. And uh, he's now been loosed upon Outworld and he's wandering around looking for an, an idea, an approach to basically just blanketing the world in darkness. That's Something all he cares about doing. Ruin. Bringing death, <laughs> just raining death upon wow. people. Yeah. He's like not a major player politically in the world of mortal Kombat, because he's literally just focused on creating chaos and death he's not a political person he's just like i'm here to create structure and yet because of that i would think he would have shown up more in the other narratives you'd think so but his plans are odd as we find out when he (laughs) uh reactivates smoke and reprograms him because he has uh, a new plan and that plan is to create an army of cyber demons 
so th- so what <laughs> so are they de- noob cybot was like oh hey a cyborg wait a minute i am essentially a demon I'm still behind, okay. but I'm more or less a demon. Well, if he says uh, so. I've buddied up to the Let's most see what the pure demons evil say. creatures right in, <laughs> in the nether realm. He's like, I'm going to put them in cyborg bodies and create an army. Uh, Is it a Lin Kuei thing? Is it just the natural way that they ju- go? I think so. They're just like, got to make an army of robots. That's just they do me. a lot of robotics yeah, it's in really, the training. It's a nature versus nurture thing. It's like if you were raised in the environment that tells you the most important thing in life is to have a robot army to do your bidding. Even if, you know, your personality is a little different and you don't feel like you fit in with the people who raised you, that's just naturally the direction you're going to go in. And you're like, guess he was dead when they, like, actually went through with it. So it's interesting that he, like, goes about it his own way still. Yeah. You gotta get he's, some robots. He's still... I guess, like, maybe it's just that in the world of Mortal Kombat, there's a certain opportunism to the idea of seeing a fully formed robot and going, I can make a whole army of those. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> um oh. They did in Star Wars. <laughs> they sure did. Very literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he uh Saibot reprograms Smoke. Uh but as they start crossing the realms on basically a journey to get to the Lin Kuei Temple and collect all of the other cyborgs and put demons inside of them, as they're kind of on that journey, we start to get hints that there's a piece of Tomas that's still inside there despite the reprogramming, the supernatural magic, all of this stuff, that his soul is still in there because as they're on their like campaign towards the Lin Kuei Temple, we, there are a few moments where Tomas tries to get a message to Kwai Lang just to say, I'm alive, I'm here, like there's danger coming for you. Um, but every I've time, always loved you. I've always loved you. I mean, probably. Um, but Now we're talking. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's it's clear that, like, while he's in there, he, he continually is overridden. His soul's overridden by his programming uh, time and time again when he tries to get that message out. And eventually, uh, Noob Saibot and Smoke make it to the Lin Kuei Temple, and they get there at just the right time because they realize that while Sub-Zero, over these 10 years, has uh, taken over the temple and become the new Grand Master and ended the Cyber Initiative... Uh, he's not at home. He's out, <laughs> he's out dealing with, uh, the, the larger issues that are happening among the realms politically at this time. I think around then it was, uh, it was around the time that the, there's a dragon King Onago is like a guy storming around outworld causing trouble. Whose artwork I sent you. You did. You found some really smutty dragon King Onada fan, sure Onaga did. fan art. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to look up smoke before I came in, but I didn't. I'm I guess fairly I confident you can easily find some smutty smoke art as well. I can. It seems like there's no bottom to the amount of Mortal Kombat characters. Oh, I'm sure there's bottom. You can find drawings of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could definitely. Yeah, yeah. You could probably find smoke as a bottom if you look it up. Well, I'm just. Doing... Is that what you're googling? I'm just. Did you open a private window? All I did was do smoke hentai, but that's too general. (laughs) (laughs) Too general. Just smoke Tomas Verbana hentai. Uh, Okay. Don't. Uh, You won't find any. Um, Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did you just find something? Did you find some smoke hentai? No, no. I still have to get into the images. Oh, that's actually really romantic. (laughs) Who's smoke with? No, it's not erotic at all. It's like, like nice kissing. 
Who's he kissing? I though? don't know. Who is is that Rain? It is. Wow, interesting. Oh, I'm into they this. like don't have a lot of interaction at all. But there is so look at this. It is like all rain and smoke. People want to see smoke and rain. Give the people what fuck. they want. Rain, for those of you who don't know, is a prince from Edenia who I'm not even sure he and Smoke ever meet. They might meet once or twice. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Smoke kissing Sub Zero. Uh, with a scorpion also taking Sub-Zero from behind, it looks like. I'm going to send this to you so okay. that if you want to add it to your uh, Twitter notes, I will. you can. I will. Uh, I will. Because the people need to see what they we're do. looking at. It's important. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> oh, there's, here's one of Sub-Zero with Elsa from Frozen. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I feel like I've seen a lot of those. Wow. A lot of Sub-Zero and Elsa cross-fic, cross-art. There's yeah. a word for it. So, uh, what smoke, were we talking? About? We're talking about <laughs> smoke, smoke and noob cybot. That they they got to the Linquit Temple. And they were like, perfect. There is nobody home, as uh, that guy from the kids in the hall would say. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, or actually, sorry, that was the the girlfriend of the guy, the the, the I'm crushing your head guy. There is nobody home. Yeah. right? with the thumb. I believe that was his girl. It was either his rival or his girlfriend. There's the I'm crushing your head guy from the kids in the hall. And he had I he had a girlfriend. He also had a rival. rival and <laughs> I think it's the rival who says there is no body home and holds up his thumb. Yeah. What a genuine, <laughs> what a bizarre sketch. And recurring. Recurring and bizarre sketch <laughs> that I loved. Yes. It was a favorite of mine. Yes. Uh so, there is nobody home. Sub Zero is busy looking at hentai. There's is nobody that how home. we got into that. Sub Zero's <laughs> Sub Zero's out uh, dealing Nelsa. with Outworld problems. Dealing with Outworld problems. And so uh, Smoke and Noob Cybot are like, perfect. Let's start putting demons in all these leftover cyborgs. <laughs> and uh, they get to business. They get to business putting demons in there. And then Noob Cybot says, hey, actually, Smoke, why don't you keep demonizing these cyborgs i'm gonna go find my brother and murder him because that's like a whole thing for me is just it seems like the most evil thing to do and that's my whole bag baby goth kid this yeah one. he's he's very hot topic <laughs> so so smoke is like no problem boss you got it noob cybot heads out uh and of course as soon as noob cybot's like i'm gonna go find sub-zero he leaves a few minutes pass and sub-zero walks in and goes what the fuck fuck is happening at this point it's just a flea in her ear it is it's a it's a real farce uh and so smoke immediately attacks sub-zero and sub-zero's like smoke is that you i thought you were dead what's happening it's been 10 years and then noob saibot shows up and he starts attacking uh sub-zero from behind just like in the art that you found and sub-zero's like ah shit but in these 10 years Sub-Zero's become, like, extremely good at fighting, so he manages to uh, beat both of them off. <laughs> and um, and as uh, both Noob Saibot and Smoke are lying uh, spent and unconscious on the floor, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sub-Zero says, Rain I, I commit myself. room for one more. <laughs> yeah, I've seen this video. Uh, no, uh, Sub-Zero says, I commit myself to saving my best friend and my brother, Clearly, you've both lost your shit. And uh, he starts working at it. Time passes. And Smoke, who we know is just a little bit, always a little bit closer to the light than anyone. 
he does kind of come back to himself and, and Sub-Zero succeeds. Um, but before they can even really process the fact that Smoke is back, uh, he and Sub-Zero get word that there is a massive war erupting in Outworld. Sorry, in Denya. Yeah, there's a war erupting in another realm. Right? Yes. It's been reestablished. Their realm's been restored. Um, but they hear, like, yeah, there's this war. Basically, there's this big pyramid. Everyone's going to go fight at the base of this pyramid. Whoever gets to the top of the pyramid attains godlike power. If it's the wrong person, it's curtains for all of us. So if you have any stake in the future of the world and you know that there are other dimensions, you got to show up at this brawl. So Sub-Zero's like, hey, man, I understand if you want to just hang out and, like, get your bearings. And Smoke's like, no, I'm, we're doing this. And so he yeah. and Sub-Zero go, and they get to fight uh, on each other's side again for the first time in a decade and uh they both die there is that it for now they die in the battle they fight valiantly but they croak i mean pretty much everyone does <laughs> but they croak they croak uh <laughs> were they killed or did they like just they have were, heart attacks they were they were uh sorry let me let me oh, uh, scary. clarify <laughs> They croak when they are brutally murdered. Okay. <laughs> Hacked and slashed uh, with blade and bow. Um, I'm pretty sure Noob Saibot was in the mix there. I don't know if he killed does Smoke. Does Smoke feel pain? he killed Sub-Zero. Smoke does feel pain. Why? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there might be an answer. You might get it soon. Okay. Uh, I don't know if the answers answer that question, but we'll see. I might get it soon in your notes, or we might in the next Mortal Kombat. Uh, soon, soon via my notes. Okay, 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 yeah. okay. So, uh, the, the people who make it to the top of the pyramid are Shao Kahn, who, as we've established, is a very powerful emperor, sorcerer, god of Outworld, and Raiden, who's the god in charge of defending Earthrealm. Mm -hmm. Shao Kahn pretty much wins. He's going to gain this insane power. He's going to kill Raiden and take over all the realms and create genocide pretty much everywhere. And Raiden manages to, in his last moments of life, send a message to himself back in time. And that message is, he must win. Which, of course, is way too, way, way, way too vague. <laughs> and it creates not a new timeline, which is how I usually refer to it, but to be clear, it basically changes this timeline. I think the way that time works in Mortal Kombat is a straight line. So imagine that we've reached the end of the line. Him sending that message back loops us back around to... Mm -hmm. Uh, the time of the first Mortal Kombat tournament. Mm -hmm. And things just start going differently from that point on. You know me in time travel. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> but look, it gave us creative opportunities to yeah, yeah. reimagine storylines as the characters had kind of in that first timeline. Um, they were developed as they went along. They kind of figured out the voice as the games went because obviously with the very first one, it was super low tech and they didn't have a lot of time. So I think at this point they were like, well, now the characters have all kind of come into their own, but there's a lot of them and we had to have this big Armageddon brawl just to kind of whittle things down. Why don't we just go back to the beginning and, and let them explore new storylines where the things that we know are interesting. And actually, I think Smoke gets the most interesting uh, change in terms of what happens to him in this timeline. Uh-huh. Or one of them. I mean, Luke Kang's is pretty interesting. He starts off as like the Luke Skywalker of Mortal Kombat, and then he becomes yeah, yeah, like the yeah. king of hell. But uh, for Smoke, here's what goes down. So back to the first Mortal Kombat tournament. At the beginning, it's more or less the same. Bihan disappears at that tournament. Smoke and Sub-Zero go to Outworld to find him. 
there's a slight change in the intention in that they're they, they're not convinced he's dead. They're not going for vengeance. They're just like, hey, we haven't heard from Bihan since he went to that tournament. Let's go check things out. In Outworld, that's where the people who held that tournament came from. They go there and they're exploring and they split up in this timeline uh, to kind of just cover more ground. Okay. And Smoke has like kind of a slew of fun adventures on his own in this Outworld. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. So he goes off and he meets a princess. He meets the princess of Outworld, Katana, they kind of get into a fight, and Smoke is like, uh, I kind of respect her, though. She's kind of interesting. It's exciting. That's sexy. Yeah, then he witnesses uh, a, an insane thing happening. He witnesses a mercenary from Earthrealm trying to sell missiles to a sorcerer from Outworld. Well, I mean, what? hey. In the middle of the living forest. He actually peeks storm. behind a tree. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He peeks behind a tree, and he sees... I just put the pieces together. peeks behind a tree, and he sees this happening, and they're like, hey, who the fuck is that? So he has to fight a mercenary with a bunch of guns and missiles Instead and a sorcerer with magic. Yeah, no, he just goes for it. His smoke powers are... Uh, it's interesting that he doesn't choose to use them as often as I might. I know. I that him. seems like the perfect... Or like be a vapor while you spy on people. Right. Because it's actually said directly that the reason the Lin Kuei wanted him so bad and respect him so much is that he's so good at getting away after the hit is done and evading capture. So it is weird that he gets captured pretty much constantly <laughs> throughout his entire story. It is inconsistent. I, I have don't like know if the Lin Kuei are actually targeting the best of the best. I will say that I have kind of like a headcanon answer. When we we're about to get to the origins of Smoke, the truth. And I kind of have I've inferred a reason that you could say is why he doesn't do that so much, but I'm teeing up something I'm not going to get to for a bit, so Let's just get back to the, the here and now. That's for another Smoke couple minutes. meets a princess. Smoke fights a mercenary trying to sell guns to a sorcerer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoke is having a real time. And then he's attacked by cyborgs from the Lin Kuei. Out of nowhere. He's like, what the fuck? Cyborg, you're from the what? Lin Kuei's doing what? That like story element got dragged up. As he was like on his adventure in Outworld. So he's about to get turned into a cyborg like right then and there in the middle of a forest and there's no one around to help him. Oh, they brought the technology to do that with them. Yeah. Oh. They've like teleported into Outworld. It's a thing that is kind of established as a cyborg thing in Mortal Kombat. The cyborgs have like wrist mounted computer things no, I that let them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they show up, they're attacking Don't Smoke, they're trying all... to turn him into a cyborg. When all of a sudden, they're all electrocuted and shut down by Raiden. Oh. Raiden happened to be traveling throughout world on his own little mission and happened to be in the right place at the right time, and he saves Smoke from becoming a cyborg in this timeline. So he does not become a cyborg at all in this timeline? He does not become a cyborg at all in this timeline. That There's was the moment. That was the moment, and it doesn't happen. So because he doesn't become a cyborg in this timeline... Smoke winds up making a bunch of new friends because now he's falling in with Raiden's group. Like Raiden saved him. Smoke says, I've disavowed the Lin Kuei. I'll join up with you with whatever you guys are trying to do. And he meets like all, he meets like a Shaolin monk. He meets a movie star from Earthrealm. He meets all these people who kind of become his buddies. And he's like, yeah, I'm willing to join you guys on your quest to protect Earthrealm from Outworld. But um, can we go find my friend, Kwai Lang, he's also looking for uh, for his brother. He was, he was with me. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. So they go to find Kwai Lang. And when they do, they get there just in time to watch him get kidnapped by the cyber uh, initiative 
cyborgs and turned into one himself. Oh, so their fates switch. Their fates switch in this timeline because of little micro changes from Raiden trying to interpret his message. Sub Zero becomes Cyber Sub Zero, and Smoke witnesses it all, and he's not able to stop it before it happens. Oh, no. Yeah. And so, for a long time, Smoke just teams up with Earthrealm's champions. Uh, he just becomes a part of the squad. He fights in the Mortal Kombat tournament. He's taking on Outworld, all leading up to that invasion of Earthrealm that we know about. Um, at which point, it's the first time that Smoke, you know, still a human, runs into his old friend Kwai Lang as Cyber Sub-Zero, patrolling the streets with Shao Kahn's death squads. And similar to in the first timeline, Smoke is not willing to give up on his friend. And so uh, he gets involved in a brawl. He sees Sub-Zero get knocked out. And before uh, the Earthrealm people, you know, kill him to protect themselves, he goes, no, 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 no. We can reprogram him. We can save him. And so they do. They bring Cyber Sub-Zero uh, back to, like, their, you know, Earthrealm hero home base. And they... <laughs> And they uh, back to Johnny Cage's house. Yeah, I forget like what they they had like a ho- one single location they were using as like their meetup this place in Malibu. It looked like a castle. It might have been like Raiden Sky Temple Aww. in in China. So, yeah, but um, they do they reprogram Cyber Sub Zero, and when he opens his eyes, the first thing he sees is his buddy Smoke, and he's like, "Oh, what happened to me?" It is a total reverse of what happened before, and Smoke is like, "Don't worry, buddy. Like we're okay." Uh, join us and take on Outworld and we'll defeat them. Uh, And they do. They are side by side again. They're taking on Outworld's forces. They're reunited until... It's another thing that changed in this timeline. Uh, There is a sneak attack by Shao Kahn's forces. They catch our heroes at their, like, little home base. And both Sub-Zero and Smoke are murdered. How? I think Smoke's neck gets snapped. Oh, and I think Sub-Zero quick, at least. gets electrocuted, but I'm not totally sure. That sounds worse. Smoke, I know, actually, yeah, he his neck gets snapped. He tries to fight back, and his neck is just snapped. <laughs> yeah. But that's not the end for them. Oh, God. Smoke and Sub-Zero awaken in the Nether Realm alongside the rest of their fallen allies. And they are now undead revenants, not unlike what happened to Bihan when he became Noob Saibot who now live in the Netherrealm and are subservient to the necromancer who resurrected them, this guy named Quan Chi. Quan Chi serves a fallen elder god named Shinnok, who's been trapped in the Netherrealm for millennia. And he is a fallen elder god. He's basically like the Lucifer of the Mortal Kombat franchise. Okay. Um, and Quan Chi and Shinnok are like, together we're going to conquer all the realms when Shao Kahn's out of the picture. And you guys, including Smoke, including Sub-Zero, you will be our undead army. And that's just okay with them. Like Smoke and Sub-Zero pretty much had any positive emotion, feeling, thought rendered completely out of them. They are just evil undead servants. Oh, I thought it was more like a, at least we're together. No, it's not even that. There's just nothing, nothing going on upstairs. So uh, during the years and years that they served Quan Chi, uh, Smoke finally learns the truth about his dark origins. And I think that is in part because his soul, the soul of like Tomas, has been either corrupted, discarded. There's different ways of looking at it. And I think that unlocks certain memories that clue him into what happened. So here's the truth about why Smoke has his powers and then why I think he doesn't use them as often as he definitely can. <laughs> 
Um, the second one I'm really interested in. Yeah. So as a child in Prague, Tomas was kidnapped by a dark cult, a cult that wanted to create a demon in a human vessel, and they sacrificed young kid Smoke to an Enenra, which is a, I believe, a Japanese uh, like spirit of smoke and mist. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a ghostly demon spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and these were uh, Prague's in Czech Republic, right? Mm-hmm. So these were Czech they were, people sacrificing him to a Japanese god? It's unclear if they were Czech. This just happened okay. in Prague when he was okay. a kid, but it's not. I'm not sure if they're from there because this is all even like hazy in his own memory. Okay. This is canon, but it is like... Maybe like an international cult. Mm-hmm. Probably. I mean, if they were worshiping a demon, uh, and in the world of Mortal Kombat, a lot of these demons are real, not just based in like religion or mythology necessarily. Yeah, it's entirely possible it's like a global this is, cult. It's actually very Black Butler. So. Uh, well, my favorite anime. They do sacrifice him, uh, and he does get consumed by the Anenra, but uh, in classic idiotic cult fashion. That Anenra slaughters the entire cult. And then... <laughs> Misjudged that one. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, retakes Tomas's human form with no memory of what had happened. So I think what the Anenra had kind of intended and why this happened is that presumably it has continued just living inside of Tomas and giving Tomas its um, powers. But... Uh, has also, I'm sure, been consuming the souls of all of the people that Tomas assassinated, murdered. It may not have even been entirely his choice to fall down the path that he did. It may have been the Anenra influencing him from within. Okay. And so in terms of why those smoke powers don't get trotted out as often as they could, I think there's two ways of looking at it. And again, this is me filling in plot holes. <laughs> but... Um, on the one hand, you could say that there was a part of Tomas that knew that every time he used his powers, he was giving into something else inside of him that he didn't know or understand. And so there was a desire to not use those powers as often as he could avoid it. You could also say that if there is an evil spirit inside of him that is solely living for bloodshed, it was intentionally driving him towards situations. It was, it was basically activating the fight instead of the flight mechanism as often as possible to try to get more blood spilled, more souls to consume. I buy that second one. Yeah. So, pretty oh, interesting. Yeah. Very different from like other characters in the Mortal Kombat mythology. Yeah. And that's kind of all there is. There isn't more detail to that at all. This is like pretty recent. That no, they... I don't think you need any. It kind of clears everything up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It answers every question I have. Um, Through the whole series. <laughs> but the thing is, like, even as an evil revenant, it's not like Tomas got to hear this. It's like once Smoke became a revenant, he was just like, I am an Enra. I am not a man. Like that an Enra oh, part. I guess at that point, it's just his soul that's down there, right? It's pretty much just the Enra at this point that had taken over. Because again, when you become a revenant, the way that it works in Mortal Kombat, it's just like everything negative, everything bad inside of you is it. That's all that's left. That's all that's driving you. Uh, so it makes sense, I guess, that the Anenra would be the thing that comes to the forefront. Do you keep the body that you were killed in as a revenant? Yeah, you okay. Do. So then Sub Zero is still a cyborg. Sub Zero is, man, it's a whole thing. And Smoke's a little bit involved, but not much. 
Sub-Zero. We'll have to hear about that next week. <laughs> we will be covering it next week when we do get to Sub-Zero, uh, unless anything goes weird scheduling-wise. But um, he is initially, yeah, like a weird, crazy undead cyborg and eventually takes his human form back for specific narrative reasons. Don't know which one is cooler. Uh, I don't either. I never, to be honest, never loved the Cyber Sub-Zero design. It was a little too busy. I like the simplicity of the smoke uh, cyborg, where it was pretty much just like a mask and a human body and some padding and some, like, grills. Um, but I seem to remember they had the tubes coming out. Did smoke have that too? Yeah, that it was, just like, Cyrax? just enough detail. Oh, Cyrax has the tubes. They're dreadlocks. Yes, that's what I'm, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. that design. They're, like, literally his dreadlocks. <laughs> He looked like Predator. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So smoke is smoke's a revenant. It's down in the nether realm. It's just he's just an Enra right now. It's not like he has a social life, so it doesn't really matter. He's just <laughs> he's just being sent on missions to uh, work towards the cause of bringing Shinnok back. And so yes, he and Sub Zero together they are invading Earth realm uh, with Shinnok's nether realm forces with an army of demons trying to kill Raiden. They have this whole thing. They fail. Shinnok is once again defeated and locked away in an amulet. Decades pass as Quan Chi and the Revenants are working at resurrecting Shinnok again, just very single-minded. After 20-something years, they succeed. Shinnok comes back. Smoke and the other Revenants again go back to Earthrealm. Now they're fighting against the children of those friends that Smoke had made all the way back when, uh, the, the one or two survivors... Uh, from the slaughter uh, yeah, during the Earthrealm invasion, kids. yeah, but it's sad. It's like you know, it's they're they're fighting the kids of people that used to be their friends. It's like you could have had a life, you could have had a future, you could have had kids, and they don't. Instead, they're just mindless revenants that are just doing the same shit they were doing thirty years ago. They're not in control of their own fighting. They're not. They're completely out of control. It's sad. It's tragic. Uh, and of course, again, they fail. Shinnok is killed. Quan Chi is killed. And the Revenants return to the Nether Realm permanently Revenants. They're, they're the person who turned them into Revenants is gone. And I will say that from there on, there is no specific answer to what happens to Smoke. What? But it is implied what happens to Smoke. Shortly after uh, the Shinnok defeat round two, when the Revenants are all just hanging out down in the Nether Realm and deciding who's in charge and kind of just blindly again being like well we have to have revenge on raiden this is all his fault uh they get visited by someone named chronica who is the titan of time she is a titan which means she came before the elder gods shinnok actually is her son lady tiktok lady tiktok that's her nickname uh <laughs> and she makes a promise to the revenants she says hey uh i will create a new timeline where there is no raiden where your lives are back in your control it's not all predicated on shitty choices that Raiden made. Um, I will wipe out all of time. You'll all stop existing, but you'll get a life where you're not Revenants. And of course the Revenants are like, yeah, we're in. We will become your personal army. And presumably, even though we don't specifically see it in the Mortal Kombat game, Smoke is in the mix with them. I don't mm -hmm. know what else he would be doing. Mm -hmm. Noob Cybot shows back up in this timeline and does reference to Sub-Zero during this time. Uh, your brother is down in the Nether Realm. Or sorry, your, your friend is down in the nether realm. Right, so Sub-Zero is no longer a revenant? Oh, yeah, sorry. That's a whole nother thing. Sub-Zero gets unrevenanted. Well, how did he do that? Luck. He happened to be in the right place at the right time, and the heroes of Earthrealm were able to do Smoke it. Smoke was what? Getting a crawler at the time? Smoke 
uh, again, is the is the least lucky between the two of them. Sub Zero gets to be restored to his humanity, which means there's hope for Smoke, but it just never happens. Uh, Kronika does succeed in erasing the current timeline, uh, but then she gets killed, and Liu Kang, uh, a Shaolin monk who used to be the hero of Earthrealm and then became the king of the Netherrealm with the Revenants and is now again alive and good, uh, he becomes the new keeper of time and he's going to create the new timeline. The problem that I think this presents for Smoke is that he and Liu Kang never knew each other super well. I mean, they knew each other as revenants, but it's a Liu Kang who never became a revenant that mm-hmm. becomes the new keeper of time. So a new timeline essentially is going to be created by someone who never had much personal attachment to Smoke. So while my hope is that Smoke will have a happier life because he's clearly a good person who deserves it, who's just had very bad things happen to him. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any specific faith in in what is going to happen with Smoke. Uh, so wait, so does he... So when Liu Kang is starting time from scratch, is he like personally overseeing everybody's individual lives in order to do this? Yeah, he's very literally going to orchestrate the choices that people make and the time. And it's 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 really like be, being an all-seeing, all-knowing god. Because he's more or less considered responsible for like choices that people make. And the only people who can uh, change their future are people who become aware that the path is already drawn for them. Mm -hmm. Once you know, you can make different choices. But uh, yeah, it's complicated. It's very complicated. Do you think he will keep a Raiden in this one? He'll definitely keep Raiden in this one. So Raiden will exist. Although I think he'll be... making better choices um does he as but he still has the memories of the time that he's experienced Liu Kang um, has his memories through the first mortal Kombat tournament the second mortal Kombat tournament in outworld and the adventure that he has when he's brought into the present and winds up fighting against Kronika. so could it not be possible that with his all-seeing all-knowing he can go into the individual lives of everybody who has lived throughout time and see which ones is like eh, it's possible that he's like here a little there because at this point it probably all passes like for him i think so it's possible that he is so omnipotent that he can see everyone's dozens of potential lives and timelines and could pick and choose from there it's hard to say. It's also hard to say like what the next chapter of the Mortal Kombat story will hold for yeah. us. Will it be in the past, the present, the future? I just want Smoke and Sub-Zero 2 to just settle down, get a house. Be boyfriends. Be boyfriends. Husbands. Have a family. No, boyfriends. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Because, you know, they travel for work, so, you know. I will you say... You never know who you're going to meet. Kwai Lang in both timelines gets to live into a pretty ripe age mm-hmm. never has a partner mm-hmm. girlfriend boyfriend yeah. doesn't happen i think it's wonder why even if it's not explicitly said i would say that it seems that all evidence points to they were in love with each other <laughs> i'm going to say that yes yeah Yes. I mean, I saw the artwork. You saw the artwork. It proves it all. There it is. I think we can say with enough confidence that in all likelihood, Kwai Lang and Tomas, Verbana, Smoke, uh, were in love. Gay. They're gay. Gay. They're gay. Yeah. They could be bi. They could be ace. 
Actually, that's true. Yeah. Because neither of them really seem to have much sexual interest in anyone. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, But uh, they loved each other a lot and made a lot of choices based on their love for each other. And I think that that's the one thing that's inarguable. Uh, And that's Smoke's story. Would you say that it was surprising? Was it what you expected? I was very surprised. I I guess, too, when I was a kid, I always figured that he must have been some kind of villain because he was a robot. Mm Mm-hmm. But this has turned me around on that. He was meant to be a villain. The intentions were for him to go and do harm. But uh, it was hard to program someone with a good soul and a bad demon uh, to do that stuff. And then that's so sad because if it wasn't for this horrible demon inside of him, he and Sub-Zero wouldn't have actually like hit it off. With the mutual right. understanding of uh, powers. Right. Because that was something do that they, they saw Do they have ice demons inside of them? Uh, no, I think they just have magic gene powers. Yeah. Cryomancy powers. Cause yeah. in Outworld, there are a lot of, there's a lot of naturally occurring sorcery. Like even the people that are half dragon, half man have the ability to like throw fire, fireballs. Oh, I wouldn't say they're half dragon. Sure. <laughs> you think can come out of their mouths. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not full dragon, Ben. Don't be ridiculous. Fair. Uh, well, now that we've gotten through Smoke Story, it brings us to the last segment of our show, which of course is Choose Your Destiny. Walter, it's time for you to decide, if you're in the world of Mortal Kombat, which realm would you be from? Who would you align yourself with? What would your powers be? What would your background be? Would you be a human? Would you be something else? Who is Walter Holman in the Mortal Kombat universe? And I thought about this so much, too. Like, I was like, oh, I'm, I need to have a really good answer. Like, who am I in the Mortal Kombat universe? And I keep thinking, like, do I have to be somebody who would eventually fight? Because my first immediate answer is, oh, I'm the guy who's, you know, on set in Earthbomb with Johnny Cage listening to his stories and going, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> I believe it. I mean, you never, I do hear there's lots of things, secret societies. Oh, it's not that kind of thing. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> It's not, it's not like that, man. No, it's different. There's a fighting tournament. And did you win? Yeah, no, I didn't win, but I did. I stayed alive till the end. So it's the same as winning. Okay. Hey, that counts. That counts as a win. Are you a grip, a gaffer, a producer? Like, what is what is your role on set of the Johnny Cage commercial? I'm visiting a friend who's working on the movie. Oh, so you're just... <laughs> Well, okay, so I have another question. So canonically, there is specifically a commercial set right after Johnny gets back from the first Mortal Kombat tournament. So you're on that set. Yes. So you're on set. You're visiting your friend who, what are they doing on, on the show? Um, gosh, I, let's say I'm with one of the sound guys. Okay. So you're, you're dating one of the sound, one of oh, okay, the sound guys. Okay. I'm just like, you know, hanging with them. So you're visiting your buddy no. who's one of the sound guys <laughs> on this commercial. And of course, you know, you're hanging out in the green room or whatever. You're hanging out like by a trailer and yeah. Johnny Cage just starts telling you about the Mortal Kombat tournament. Yeah. And you yes him. Yeah. And if you're there, that means you then see a portal open up. Oh, that's right. That's where that happens. <laughs> a portal opens up and uh, a bunch of guys with spear arms and uh, four-armed dragon men storm through and a sorcerer and start killing people. Do you die or do you escape? I escape. Not to uh, jinx myself now, but I feel like I've always been very lucky. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know, knock on wood. Knock on wood. Uh, but uh, I know you said not to do it on this table, but... And yet. And yet. It's a good sound effect. <laughs> it though. is. It's a good sound effect. That's how you know I knocked. Uh, going for knock on wood? 
Come in. Uh, so you escape from set. Maybe I escape with Johnny. You and Johnny escape. Wait, so like, do you become his buddy? Well, <laughs> do you become like part of his entourage? Here's what Are I'm you thinking, Johnny Cage's like, turtle? He has just told me like all this stuff. I've yesed him. I'm yeah. pro- like, and judging by the passion and how he's not, I'm the only one who's actually not rolled his eyes and said, shut the fuck up, Johnny. Like, he's like, man, you know, it's really good okay, talking to someone. Yeah. You're like a really good listener, Walter. <laughs> Are you Walter? Yeah, I'm still me. Okay. It's me. Like, you're a real... <laughs> Walter, you're a really good listener, man. I pre- Oh, hold on. He calls me Walt. Well, well, I don't like that he calls me that, but doesn't Johnny Cage seem like someone who'd call you by a yeah, name? Yeah, Walt or Wally or Wallflower. He'd probably give you something. He oh, keeps changing he it up all the time. Glasses he calls you sometimes. Yeah. He's like, hey, glasses, hold on a second. Uh, I, I think, yeah, yeah, it's some of those dragon guys. Give me a minute. <laughs> so a bunch of monsters pop out. He fights them. Right. So I, you know, I, of course, I'm going to decide myself, well, I'm, this is what he talked about. He knows what he's talking about. I'm just going <laughs> to give him his space, give him his space. But then like whatever else happens, I'm just going to follow his lead. Because, uh, I, you know, I always said like I'd, I'd probably make a very reliable vice president, not a leader of something, but someone sure. who can like be there to like. I've always admired that about you. You know your play and you're comfortable. You're comfortable with that. Yeah. yeah. There was a moment before I came where I said, would I be like not Shang Tsung, but whoever works directly under Shang Tsung? <laughs> you're selling was, yourself short. And I was like, no, I'm not like you evil. Could, you could be a Rasputin type. Oh, you'd be like a good, so you'd be I like Raiden's that I could. PA. Yeah. Right. But so, instead I'm Johnny Cages because realistically, you know, yeah. I, I live here. So, so. so you're saying that Johnny then... You know, they tell him, like, Johnny Cage, we need you to come to Outworld. We need you to fight in the second tournament. And you, uh, you're like, Johnny's like, hey, hold on. I got to get my buddy Walt. <laughs> like, I'm saying, you're going to need somebody to hold your water, man. Oh, so you offer to go. You're like, take me with you. Well, I got to see this. Is your friend dead, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> who? The friend who came to set to visit. Did he get, like, his boom pole put through his head? Like, what happened? <laughs> Wait, you're saying that the Carton Warriors with the spear, spear arms. arms. Well, there's also instead of using that, they've decided to put his boom pole through his head. Well, Kentaro's also effect. there. There's also a four-armed dragon man, and Cheng Sung, I think, arrives there. So one of them could have done it. Well, look, uh, let's say but it's your story. He doesn't. He could have died a different way, or he could be alive. Nah, he's probably me. dead. <laughs> Is that something you think as you're going through the portal <laughs> into Outworld? <laughs> oh wait, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm like, oh yeah, he's. I, I probably don't think I probably see it as I'm going to the portal. So yeah, let's just get you know. Let's we're good. We're good. As you're going through the portal, you see the lower half of your friend's body sitting on the ground. You're like, all right, <laughs> gotta go. Cool. So you go, you go to Outworld with Johnny. Yes. And what's your legacy from that point on? I gotta try it out from there. I don't need to hear all of it, but I am curious to know like. How long do you live who, in who this? Who do you think has been yelling toasty at all of these You're toasty guy? Come on. You're toasty guy. The completely normal guy yes. with the t-shirt and everything yes. that somehow manages That's to be you. in Outworld and is doing <laughs> running combat. commentary over fights. You've seen me at the movies. You've seen me watching live productions. <laughs> oh that, I love it. That's me. So, so Johnny, so you're constantly in the middle of fights to the death, mm-hmm. going toasty from from like the crowd. Yes. And and I imagine then that Raiden and Co are always like, Johnny, can you fucking can you talk to your guy? 
and tell him to stop doing that job. I was like, ah, oh, I love it. It's, it's hilarious. I was going to say, I, do, I bet me? it is a conflict between people who are like very serious about it and, and people like Johnny who are like, we need some levity at least. like, Come on, we're fighting the death. We're all sad all the time. We're like, oh, I lost my friend. Oh, my buddy got turned into a robot. You don't want to have someone who's bringing, I like him. He's I bet fun. Raiden begrudgingly likes me. Yeah, Raiden, you're like, always oh. trying to buddy up to Raiden because you're like, maybe I can get magic powers. You know, maybe I could. You could give me something. You're a god. It's up. Is that in your jurisdiction? Could you talk to the elder gods for me? <laughs> You're doing Sorkin-esque walk and talks with Raiden, where he's he's being well, very patient. I'm talking. Yeah, and you're talking. <laughs> he's walking. Uh, and everyone's like, "Do you want to wear like something more outworld appropriate?" And you're like, "No, I'm good with this like oh, orangey gosh, no. t-shirt." <laughs> This, I mean, what, what would that cost? Like, do they sell those here? I don't know. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. All right. My last question about Walter, the toasty guy, is how does he die? Does he make it all the way to the Battle of Armageddon and just dies after Shao Kahn, like, takes over? When was the last time they had a toasty guy? Um, He he made it, I think, through the whole, like, the whole franchise. Oh, I think he baby. kind of, like, has some reference, at least in all of the games. Didn't you say one of the toasty references became like a Golden Girls type thing or something? Oh, I did see like a Golden Girls toasty crossover. It's so me. See? Yeah. Okay. So they, Perfect. I, I, I love I, it. I go at least that long. So you make it all the way. I make it all the way. You make way. it all the way to Armageddon. The timeline gets rebooted. And then I think in that, I think you probably don't meet Johnny in the second timeline because his, his path is, is different. He doesn't really like go back to Hollywood. Oh, I wonder how I still managed to yell toasty at these things then. That's probably just your bit with your friends. It's always been your thing. Okay. So you visit your friend on set. The Outworld invasion happens. Life moves on because Shao Kahn gets defeated. Whoa. And you and your friend group. Well, enough of that. But yeah. that sure got toasty. <gasps> oh! Toasty! <laughs> Walter made your funny. Uh, I love it. That's what they say. That's fantastic. Uh, maybe my favorite. She's your destiny ever. I love it. Aww. You really connected it to Mortal Kombat mythology and found a way to make yourself really fit in. My to the sisters narrative. and I really high fived it when we got a toasty. <laughs> I love it. Great. Well, Walter, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we got to make this happen. Me it's too. always. Uh, I mean, all we do is hang out and talk. So uh, <laughs> it's nice to be able to do it for something I already had to do. It's convenient. It is. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do now. I've had like two podcasts in two weeks. What am I gonna you're do? You're addicted. Week number three. We got to get you on some more podcasts. I if know. you're listening and you have a podcast, hit Walter up. I mean, not only is he a proven great guest, <laughs> listen to screen drafts yeah. if you need to hear another example. But. Uh, He's, he's tech avail. He's technically available. <laughs> got a lot of time on my hands. He's got a lot of time on his hands. Uh, if people want more uh, Walter Holman in their lives, where can they find it? Well, I blog at silverscreeningroom.com, where I blog about uh, Oscars past. And, of course, like leading up to the current Oscars, I do a month talking about that as well. Great blog. Um, thank you. I'm particularly fond of Walter's roundups of each year of movie history and all the movies that qualified for the Oscars and what he would give the various awards to at the Holman Awards. Yes, um, I, I not it's fun. Yeah, I not only go over like the actual Oscars, but I relitigate them with my own. So. Yeah, it's like a really, it is really interesting way to look back at Oscar history and like the big movies uh, of the past, past that still loom large over our current like cinema history, but also the movies that have been forgotten or just didn't get a fair yes. shake and absolutely are as good as movies we consider classics today. Agreed. And the thing I always find most interesting is how um, release dates work back then, because 
like foreign language films would take like five to 10 years to make it over here. Oh, wow. But so like, they would be nominated for Oscars years and years after years they were and released years after. back home. What's yeah. the most notable one you can think of for? Example? <laughs> well, I, oh, I guess you're full shit. It up. Damn. <laughs> uh, well, was, you were, we were talking about black lizard. Oh no. Said, the human condition uh, is a movie in three parts. So it's three separate movies. So the first one came out in Japan in 1959 and was released in America. The first part, 1959. In Japan, they released all three of them like within a couple months of each other. Okay. In the United States, the third movie came out in 1970. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. So they just came out years and years apart. Yeah. I assume you've seen all three now. No, because I haven't done 1970 yet. But, uh... I've, but it was like 1959, 1961, 1970. That's really interesting. Did any of the three get nominated for Academy Awards? No, and it's crazy. I don't think anything by Masaki Kobayashi has. Uh, was ever nominated and he made some of the greatest movies of all time that's crazy Kwaidan. well obviously great uh stuff to silver read on silverscreenroom.com and then uh, how can people find you on social i'm on twitter at silver screener and uh instagram uh wl holman that's h-o-l-l yeah if you want to see some oh sorry H-O-L-L-M-A-N. <laughs> yeah, Emma's in Mary, and then two, Nancy, Nancy. And I was going to say, if, if people want to find some great smoke hentai, you'll have some up on your Instagram, I'm sure. Well, now. Great. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Walter, thanks so much for coming on the show. And as always, toasty! Yeah.